What's up? What's up, Nick? Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. In just nine months, Monisha Misra took her side hustle from reluctantly accepting her first customer to $100,000 in total sales. What's she selling? She's selling meat and cheese. Boardsbymo.com is a charcuterie board prep company, and the early success and attention in that arena has spun off other revenue streams, including virtual live charcuterie board building classes. Stick around in this one to hear how Monisha went from just friends, family, and colleagues to now an Instagram following of over 20,000 people and the actions she took to build a six-figure operation on the side in less than a year. And here's a hint. It involved a lot of listening to what her audience and customers were asking for, and then being open to providing that answer. Notes and links for this one, along with the full text summary of our call, are at sidehustlenation.com slash mo, M-O. Mo's side hustle story starts about a year ago. And one thing I love about it is that it starts with giving first, with no intention or expectation of return. Ready? Let's do it. When the work from home kind of the stay-at-home orders were put in place here in Boston in March. I thought it was just a couple weeks stint where we would be working from home. I was getting a little stir crazy. I'm not going into the office, not being able to see my friends. And I also just had a lot of friends and family that were essential employees or healthcare workers. And I felt so bad for their schedules and how crazy their hours were at the time. So it initially started with me just making these little snack platters or home-cooked meals and dropping them off at hospitals around Boston for free. So I'd either like coordinate with a friend and say, hey, what time are you working today? When's your shift? How many people will be there? Or I would just call up in the front and say, hey, I have some you know, some platters to drop off to the staff. And I would just kind of make rounds around Boston and and drop them off for free. Well, that's so cool for you to do that. Yeah, it was it was a creative outlet for me and also made me feel like I was doing something at a time where it didn't really feel like anything was going on outside of like the craziness of the news and the hospitals. So I was like, okay, this is, I, I feel like I'm at least bringing a little bit of happiness to people who are, are working really hard right now. When the hospitals started getting really crowded, they obviously were like, okay, random girl, you have to stop doing this. Um, <laughs> so I, I stopped at about the end of March. And then in April, some of the people that I had dropped off those platters to started reaching out and saying, hey, you know, do, would you actually consider selling this? Or can I buy one off of you for a date night or to send a friend that I can't spend their birthday with them? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I did not expect to start getting those requests. So it planted a little seed, but I didn't really do anything about it because I think we all just expected to for life to go back to normal at some point in the very near future. So I was like, okay, I'll be going back to my nine to five. It's not like this is a full-time thing, not something I want to pursue full-time. So I didn't really do anything. And then in May, so like another month had passed and a really good friend of mine reached out and said, hey, I am going to go see my mom for Mother's Day and I want to take her a little cheese board. Can you make it for me? And I said, yeah, of course. And she was like, well, I want to pay you for it because I really think you need to pursue this. You've been talking about it. People have been asking. I think you need to do it. So I'm going to pay you for it because I want to be your first customer. But I really want you to at least like start an Instagram or start something. <laughs> She's like, I really think this could be something and you're just pushing it off for whatever reason. 
So that was our first order was May 10th of last year. And May 5th, I started the Instagram account. And that was really, it was never supposed to happen. And I just kept thinking, you know, this is cool for the situation that we're in because it's, you know, bringing a little bit of joy in a rather dark time. But, you know, a couple more weeks and we'll be back to normal. And that's, LOL, February 2021. And absolutely not what happened. Uh, yeah, the optimism of the early day. Well, if everyone just stays home for two weeks, like, oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> uh, if only, if only. Okay, so your friend is almost forcing this upon you, saying, look, you need to make this a thing. I'm going to pay you for it. What happens after that? So I created the Instagram account and I decided to just gauge like general interest. And so I started following all my coworkers, uh, you know, friends in the area, and I posted almost like a fake promotion. And I put on my story, like it was a $40 date night board gets delivered to your doorstep, mix of cheese, charcuterie, fruit, nuts, jams, two days only, DM me to reserve yours now. Okay. Now, why do you call it a fake promotion? Because I had no idea what I was doing. I had no supplies. I had no strategy. I didn't know what I was going to actually create the boards on. I I mean, there was nothing. I didn't even do any type of financial planning to determine where that $40 came from. It was so made up. And I put my phone down and I came back about two hours later and I had over 20 DMs from complete strangers that were like, hey, we would love to get this. Can you deliver on this day? Hey, how do we pay? And I was like, oh, people are giving me money now. <laughs> and I have no strategy. Like, I had no idea what I was going to do. But we sold out with, like, within two hours. And by sold out, I mean I had to shut it down because then I had started having a panic attack. Oh, my gosh. So these were strangers. They had found the account already at that point? Yeah, just through hashtags. And I was tagging, like... Boston food bloggers in the posts and and just kind of really utilizing Instagram's hashtags and tagging features to try to get my name out to somebody. And yeah, it was, uh, it worked. That's awesome. Because there is a built-in community, as I have learned through my wife uh, and her sister, that there's a big Instagram uh, community for charcuterie boards, Mm -hmm. of all things. Beautiful, beautiful pictures of meats and cheeses. And so you're tapping into that existing audience in a way, but just having to get them trying to figure out ways to get them to pay attention to you. Yeah. And I will say the Instagram community today is nothing like it was a year ago. It still existed. There were a lot of businesses that were already up and running that do that same thing. But now it's like hundreds and hundreds of new accounts are coming up weekly. So it's definitely grown a lot in the last year. So you were, it sounds like somewhat earlier on the trend, whereas now it's a little more crowded. I think so. There were a handful of people that were already doing it in Boston that were very successfully doing it in Boston. But I think now there's probably like six times as many. <laughs> Interesting. And so were, were all these people, they just happened to be local, these 20 DMs? Yeah. So I also didn't do a great job of putting what like my territory was. And so what I should have put in there initially was Boston and probably like 10 or 15 miles. But there were people that were definitely ordering from like New Hampshire. And then I had to could be like, oh, wait, sorry, like this is a local promotion. I'm so sorry. So that was uncomfortable. I've gotten obviously better at, at putting that everywhere now, but I, I certainly didn't do that at the beginning in the right way. Okay. Was that still in 
early May when this fake so-called fake promotion was going on? Yeah, it was like May 20th. It was like 10 or 15 days after I created the Instagram account. Wow. Do you have a recollection of how many followers there were at that point? I think there was like 120 or 130 followers on the account. And really, it was like a bunch of my coworkers, my friends, and then my family. And then after that promotion, I started to see a little bit of a trend, a little bit of a trend, a little bit of a trend. And the account really started kind of growing from there because I continued doing promotions like that once I figured out what I was doing. (laughs) Yeah, I could imagine where we were at last May, if I saw that pop up my feed, 40 bucks delivered, um, sold, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It was a lot of significant others who were very bored with their current lifestyle, like couldn't go out to eat, um, couldn't do their date nights, you know, can't get just go to the bar to grab a drink. And I think people were getting a little bit stir crazy. And this was just in a unique experience instead of your normal, like cooking every night or just ordering the same thing over and over again. Yeah, it really clearly hit a nerve. I'm just thinking about conversion rates from number of followers to number of orders is insanely high. And it's just obviously hit something right. At 40 bucks, was there any margin in there for you? (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) None whatsoever. I'm pretty sure I was in the red from that whole scenario because what ended up happening is as soon as I started getting these orders in, then I had to figure out how I was going to present them because it's, Even if you go to a store and buy an actual cheese board, like the wood board, that could be $40 in itself. So I was like, okay, that's not an option. So what else can I build this on? What am I doing? I went to Home Depot and I got plywood and a circular saw. And I went to my garage and I started cutting wood and putting like food safe parchment on top. It was the weirdest situation. And then I had to buy all of the little portion cups and disposable knives and I had to rush order them because... Obviously, didn't give myself any time to plan. And so, yeah, I definitely was in the red after that whole promotion. Okay. I appreciate you sharing that and obviously learning about the different margins and materials and everything that have to go into it. Yeah, you're like, if I'm going to deliver it, I got to deliver it on a, you know, we tend to use kind of like this big old wooden cutting board, but I I can't give that away uh, every time. So, yeah, using the the plywood, um, (laughs) even, even then, it's not free, but... Oh, and I and I definitely don't do that anymore. But that was my temporary in a rush kind of solution. Still have the circular saw, but I haven't touched it in a few months, thank God. So what do you use now for the the foundation of the of the platter? We have a few different options now depending on what people want. We can do like individual size boxes, we have cake boxes, we have bamboo platters. People can add on a physical hardwood board as extra, but we have a, a few different options at this point, but they are, you know, options to stay, not our temporary plywood. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Well, good on you for piecing it together and fulfilling these orders and driving all around town to to make that happen. Um, so obviously, you're onto something here. You know, if you're getting 20 orders right out of the gate, there's something to this. What happened after that? So after that first like weekend of deliveries. So I did two days only. So it was a Friday and a Saturday. And then I came home. And on Sunday, I told my husband that that was fun. And I'm never doing that again. And that it was over. That was the end of it. That was a great creative outlet, fun 48 hours, 
I'm done. <laughs> and he, so my husband's an entrepreneur. He has a startup himself and he's a lot smarter than I am with this stuff. I've never built something on my own and he's built multiple startups. So he was like, yeah, no, he's like, you're obviously onto something. There's strangers that are ordering from you, not your friends, which is a big indicator that you actually have a product people want. So he's like, we just need to work on your processes. And he was like, and once we can start figuring out what did you hate, what takes the longest time, what was inconvenience, what was an inefficiency, we can start fixing those things to figure out how to make this work. But he was like, you're not quitting. That was cute, but no. So we started working on like little pieces here and there. So I think one of my first moves before I even launched the next set of orders was how to manage the ordering process. I didn't want to do it through my DMs anymore. It was a mess in there. I was, it was too much to scroll through and figure out. So I just, you know, created like a free Google form that was linked in my bio so people could go in, but it was still so manual because once they did that, I had to confirm via email. I had to figure out a way for them to pay me wait for that to happen, which people were getting like buyer's remorse in the few hours between actually placing the order and having to pay for it. That's too much time to think. And then I had to like send the texts of delivery. Uh, It was a lot. And I still was very much hating it at that point. Okay. So what did you end up setting up for order processing? So my nine to five, I work at a company called HubSpot, which is a CRM marketing sales and support platform. And for the last three years, I've helped businesses evaluate HubSpot, figuring out if it's the right solution for them. So I was like, okay, I have a solution that I understand that I know how to use already. So I set up the HubSpot CRM and the sales tool. And that was the first move. And so then when people would message me or fill out the form to place an order, I would create a deal inside HubSpot so I could start tracking it a little bit better. I had all the important information, the address, the date, the time, any allergies or dietary you know, restrictions. And it was actually living in an organized place now. So that made me feel a little bit better. And then I started using some of the sales tools for my outreach to make that process a little smoother as well. That's interesting. HubSpot has been very supportive of Side Hustle Nation and side hustles in general. And it sounds like as a company, they encourage their employees to be entrepreneurial and you don't get to use the software on a firsthand basis. I feel very lucky to work there because not only is it very supportive just in cultural, from a cultural standpoint, but also they were some of my first orders. That promo weekend, you know, some of those orders were from people that I work with that I don't necessarily know, but they just saw that someone that they work with was doing something. And so some of those orders were from them too. So it was really cool to kind of see the support from the very beginning from the company that I work at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I set that up. And then when I got really sick of managing the Google form, I decided I was going to take the time to build out a website. So that was the next move. And so I built it on Shopify. And then I integrated my Shopify website to HubSpot to make that process a little easier as well. You mentioned outreach a minute ago. What kind of outreach were you doing? Or, Or were all these orders mostly inbound? So I think that first round of orders was definitely just people finding my Instagram. It's not like I was doing anything other than the story that I really posted. As I decided that I wanted to turn this into something and that there 
was an interest, I started just reaching out to my network, my community, just, you know, saying, hey, I'm doing this just as an FYI. It's a, you know, something a little bit different than your normal like stay at home routine right now. And then it really started becoming a word of mouth thing. But one thing that I found really, really helpful was after each of my orders, I would send a feedback form and I would ask people like, hey, what did you like? What did you not like? Would you order from me again? Rate your experience. And it was a simple form. It was like five questions. And I think that that was a really big game changer for me because although it wasn't always nice to hear, I think that is what really started growing the business because I could take that feedback and I could actually start implementing it. That's where the plywood went away. (laughs) Um, People didn't love the plywood, but that's where that kind of went away. And I started using more eco-friendly products because everyone was saying, hey, this is great, but you know, I didn't like the plastic. And there, there was a lot of feedback. And so I was able to start making little changes to grow the business. Okay. Interesting. So after every order, hey, what did you like? What you didn't like? And uh, kind of back to the lab, back to the drawing board for the next weekend? Were you doing this like promo every weekend type of thing or like just trying to get a sense of the order flow? Yeah. So at the beginning, it was just Fridays and Saturdays. So you could place your order. Delivery was only available Fridays and Saturdays and that was it. And it was fine. I didn't really get a lot of requests otherwise. So it was good to just keep it to the weekend. And Shopify is doing the payment processing or is that a separate connection with uh, like Square or something? Yeah. So at that point, everything was built on Shopify. You could go onto the website. You could order directly from there. I had the, you know, an add-on like date picker app. So you could only pick the Friday and Saturday for delivery. And that was a big game changer for me too, because it took out a lot of the administrative work that I really didn't like. Someone being able to go onto the site and just place their order, get the confirmation email without me having to do anything was huge. Okay. Yeah. And then you can just say, kind of look at the order queue. Here's the ones that I need to make and, uh, and go drive around. So it's still, sounds like it's still you building the boards and then delivering them at this point. Yes. So the cool thing is, is I started setting up some automation between Shopify and HubSpot. So when an order was placed, you know, I had some automation going in HubSpot too. So people were getting some, you know, automated emails from their purchase. I was starting to build out a little bit of a foundation that was a bit more professional than what I had started doing. It looks like you've got some pretty serious press coverage for this too. How did that come about? I have no idea. (laughs) It was, I could not understand why people were wanting to talk to me about this because in my mind, I was like, I am literally putting cheese on a board. Like, why do you need to speak to me about this? And I initially was just so confused because I don't think I could at that time see what I was creating. I think I was just very wrapped up and like, hey, this is just a cool creative, you know, outlet for me a couple days a week. No big deal. It's not turning into anything. It's just, you know, this is something for me to do until I can get my normal life back. And then I had a few news stations reach out. I had a couple of magazines reach out. And I was like, what is going on? And that's really where having my husband as like an outside, you know, person looking in, he was like, you're actually like, you're building something. He's like, I know it doesn't seem like it to you, but you're actually creating something and people are interested in it. So I don't really know how that started. But um, 
there was a, a news channel here in Boston that reached out to me via Facebook and they said, hey, we're doing a segment on side hustles during the pandemic and you're recommended to us. We want to talk to you. And I think that was the first one. And then there's been a lot since then. That's very interesting. So do you think they mostly were followers of yours uh, on social or they were recommended to you by followers on social? Yeah, I always ask every time I get a bulk order or I get, you know, a call like that, I always ask how they found me because it's so interesting to me to be able to attribute that back to something tangible. And the majority of the time it's Instagram. And so I think, you know, she messaged me after I think it was her friend or her sister followed me on Instagram. And so she recommended me and then she reached out to me from there. But um yeah, I always, the answer is usually always Instagram. Let's talk about the Instagram stuff for a minute. And, you know, to grow the account as quickly as you have, you mentioned the hashtags and the tagging. Can you go a little bit deeper on what that, what that looks like mechanically day to day? Cause I, I'm an Instagram user, but I, you know, have very little following and haven't put really any concerted effort to try and grow that following. Yeah. I think. I stopped trying to understand the Instagram algorithm because I think it has a mind of its own and I think they just change it around to mess with you sometimes. So um, I stopped trying to understand that piece of it, but I think there's a lot of really good tips and tricks that I've picked up in the last nine months. And I think one of them is if people are following you for your brand, your posts should stay relevant to your brand. And so if you scroll through my Instagram, you very rarely see a picture of something that's not a charcuterie board. I try to post as consistently as I can with quality content. So if I don't have anything to post that day, or I just I'm not liking the look and feel of a certain picture, I just won't. Um, So I wait until I have something that I'm, you know, that I really like that I'm really proud of. And I try to post at least every single day. I'm slowly amping that up now too. I'm trying to post at least twice a day, but that's a lot of content. That's a lot of pictures. That's a lot of editing. So doing what I can for the time being. And then I think using things like the hashtags and tagging of your actual post, that's what gets you on the explore pages. That's what gets you as a suggested account to follow. So I definitely have, you know, my set of hashtags saved in my phone. And I I post those after every picture. I tag all of the brands that I use on my boards in the pictures. So they also see that I'm using their products and they'll repost it or they'll comment on it, which is really nice. And then I also realized a few months in that social media is just a full-time job. Like I was working my nine to five. I was working the cheese board thing from like, I don't know, five to never ending. Um, (laughs) And then I had to find time to do the social media, which was just, it's a lot. And then not only do posts, you have to engage. You have to be the one following people when you're new. You have to comment. You have to share. I listened to like Gary V's like Instagram organic growth strategy. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much work. But (laughs) once you start doing it, you start seeing, you know, the benefits from it. But I started using the social media calendar in HubSpot. And I would just spend an hour or so on a Sunday night scheduling out my posts for the week. That way, when Monday rolled around, if I was super swamped with work and more work, I didn't have to worry about still posting something on social because it was already scheduled to go out on my behalf. Oh, okay. I didn't realize, and and maybe this is new for Instagram, that you could schedule stuff 
in advance. I thought it was all like, it's got to be manually done through the app every time. Yeah. So you can use an automatic scheduler. There's some restrictions. You have to have a certain type of account. Like you have to have a business account in Instagram in order to use one of those tools usually. But it's uh, it's really nice to be able to go ahead and schedule those out and maybe not worry about it for a couple of days. I don't always do that, but it is nice when I know I have a busy week coming up. Okay. And the hashtags, based on looking at a couple of your posts, go into the first comment, not the you know caption itself. Yeah. So there's been, I always get that question and I teach a class as well on how to start a board business now. And that question always comes up. I've done a lot of research on it. I've looked at a lot of articles. Most of them say that it doesn't necessarily matter if you're doing it in your actual caption or a second comment. I can look at the insights of each image and see how many of my likes actually come from the hashtags. So I know it works to do it in the comment rather than in the initial caption, if that makes sense. But I don't know. There's a lot of uh, differing opinions online. Okay. (laughs) It's all new to me. On the hashtags itself, it looks like there's, I don't know, 20, 30 in here. Is there a art or science to choosing the hashtags that go in here? So you can have up to 30 per post, which is nice. And I guess the main thing for me, and everyone has kind of their own strategy here, but for me, like my top 20 or 25 are relevant to what I'm posting. And then the rest may be something themed or like, You know, if I post a picture of a heart-shaped board, then I might hashtag, you know, Valentine's Day board in there and add it as a new one. So I have my core, about 20 or 25, and then I add a few at the end based on what I'm actually posting. And then a lot of the time, you can look at certain food bloggers or influencers, and they'll put in their bio, hashtag whatever to be featured on on our page. So sometimes I snag those and I add those to my hashtags too, because then they'll see it in their tagged posts and it gives me more of an opportunity to be shared on their page. Okay. That's kind of cool. Has that worked to kind of get on the radar of bigger accounts? Yeah. I mean, we were featured in Shape Magazine and that was how they found us because I had hashtagged their like tag that they have, but Shape Squad It was hashtag shape squad. And don't ask me why, because I'm selling meat and cheese, but uh, it worked out. And then um, there was a couple of other magazines that found me that way. Better Homes and Gardens featured one of my posts over the holidays. So it definitely works if, again, you're posting consistently and you have kind of good quality content. Yeah, if you have beautiful looking photography, it's probably a bare minimum uh, to entry here. But man, this is a really interesting kind of PR hack that I never would have considered. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Have you ever heard of a company that doesn't want you to use their product? I was surprised when FreshBooks sent me that soundbite as part of their sponsorship package. And reading on, it made a little more sense. So FreshBooks, if you're not familiar, is a longtime supporter, longtime sponsor of the Side Hustle Show. It's a simple, affordable invoicing and accounting solution for side hustlers, podcasters, service entrepreneurs, agency owners. I've been a customer for years. But how about this not using the product part? Well, the punchline there is that it's so easy to use and with the built-in automation, you can spend less time invoicing, expensing, and tracking projects and more time doing what matters most, growing your business, spending time with your family, enjoying a hobby. 
In fact, FreshBooks customers report saving up to 500 hours a year. That's huge. And if you ever need a little bit of help wrapping your head around something, they've got an award-winning Toronto-based support team who are always happy to help. I want to invite you to join the millions of other happy FreshBooks customers by starting a completely free trial at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. There's no credit card required, and now is the perfect time to get your bookkeeping on solid ground for the year. Once again, that's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to try it free today. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. Anything else on the marketing front? Um, I think right now we are leaning in a little bit towards LinkedIn as well. We didn't do that at the beginning, but in about August, I think, I started getting requests for virtual classes because people were still working from home and managers, you know, HR managers, they were reaching out and saying, hey, like, we still need to do something for our team. We still need to uphold some type of company culture, some type of team culture. So we're wondering if you do any virtual classes. And at the time I didn't, And I also didn't have the bandwidth to do that. So I had to say no for the first couple because, you know, each class is like an hour, hour and a half. And I I was like, I don't know where I'm going to find the time to do that by any means. So I was saying no, but the more requests I was getting, I was like, oh, I'm missing out on something here. Like there is another thing happening now. And I'm saying no, because I don't have the time, which means I need to fix that problem. So I ended up hiring someone from my team. Her name is Hannah. She's a corporate chef. She'd just gotten laid off due to the pandemic, unfortunately. And she found me through social and she reached out. She said, Hey, I love what you're doing. It seems like you're growing. If you ever need any help, feel free to reach out. And I was like, Okay, that was timely. Okay. <laughs> like, I okay. don't know how that happened, but that was timely. Uh, so I talked to her on the phone and I said, Hey, I actually am getting a lot of requests for virtual classes. Like, how comfortable are you in front of the camera and like teaching? And she was like, that's like literally so much of what I do right now, like every week. So in August, I brought her on to manage the entire virtual arm of the company. And that blew up like way more than I anticipated. She was getting slammed with requests for virtual classes from so many organizations, schools, groups, everyone. And I was like, okay, I feel better about this decision because I was really nervous to bring someone on. And I told her that from the get-go. And as soon as we started getting those requests, we started utilizing LinkedIn to reach out to more managers with the same title and saying, hey, we're doing this for other businesses. This is a great way to incorporate team culture when everyone is working remote. And it was really nice. It it landed really well. That's a really cool pivot 
on the business or product extension on the business would say, hey, we're kind of limited because we're a local thing. There's only a certain radius in which we can probably legally and logistically deliver this stuff. But here's a way that we can serve customers all around the world and something that they're they're interested in from this team building standpoint. It goes from business to consumer, from uh, now to business to business. I think that's a really interesting way to go. How did you determine pricing for those? So with the pricing for the virtual classes, it was basically a ton of competitive research. We looked for similar style of classes. So whether there were paint night classes or cocktail building or cooking classes, anything that was similar in style. And we basically figured out our baseline from there. And then I had to work in, okay, I'm paying Hannah. I have to, you know, think about the ingredients that Hannah has to buy that we'll need to like reimburse for actually building the board. So we had to do a little finagling there, but there are a lot of services that offer virtual classes. And that's something that also really took off in the last year. So we had some examples to go off of, and then we basically had to make it our own with our own overhead cost. Yeah. Cause you don't want to charge hey, it's 25 bucks for this thing. I was like, well, if you got 50 people show up, like I want to make it per seat or something like that. That's exactly what we ended up doing. So one of our first classes, which blows my mind that this was one of our first classes, but it was Grubhub. And they reached out to us and they said, oh my gosh, we love what you're doing. We want you to do a virtual class for our team. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And I was like, that's a lot of pressure. And so we had to kind of figure it out because it was a huge class. And then we had to figure out, okay, this is now it needs to be done by seat, by like camera, essentially. And so we started there and then we've done some really cool, really cool virtual classes since then. And we throw the logos on our website for proof points. But yeah, it's been it's landed really well with businesses that have really no other option to, you know, see each other. Their offices aren't open. People have started to move away from Boston just because it is very expensive. And when you can't do anything here, you know, it's tough. So yeah, so it's been nice for, you know, the work from home people as well. Yeah, that makes total sense. Like here's a little bit of team building camaraderie, even though it's still over Zoom or it's still virtual, (laughs) but at least we can hang out and enjoy some meat and cheese together. Exactly. Okay. So that was pivot number one, going from selling the boards locally to teaching these virtual classes. All of a sudden now we have a little bit more scale. And this is, we should note classes on how to make your own charcuterie platter. You know, it's like, Hey, we have the done for you uh, model, or we have the kind of like done with you model or the handholding model. And then you went a different direction. And that was, well, other people are seeing what you're doing. They're seeing the business that this has turned into. They're like, I want to do what Manisha's done. And tell me about that. Yeah. So what was happening around that same time of like August, September is a lot of new charcuterie businesses were popping up on Instagram. Like you can tell by their handles what they were doing. And I was seeing a lot of new follows. And essentially what was happening is they were reaching out to the accounts that maybe were already a little bit more established in terms of content and followers And they were asking all the same questions. So if you can imagine just hundreds of DMs saying, how do you package your board? How do you transport your board? 
where do you buy your boards? Um, anyone who follows me on Instagram is, and listening to this is going to get a little chuckle out of that because it's been this whole saga on my page lately of people just kind of reaching out, asking the exact same questions. And so initially I was like, man, okay, there's a lot of businesses popping up. They're all asking the same questions. I don't have the bandwidth to answer everybody. But I also understood that everyone was just trying to make it. Like we're living in weird times. You never know what someone's going through. A, a lot of the time, you know, this little side hustle or any side hustle is either as a way of like supplemental income because of something going on with the current job or whatever it is. So I felt bad because I couldn't answer everybody, but I knew everyone was trying to, you know, start something for themselves. So I also didn't want to give the information away because I had just spent, you know, months figuring it out for myself and spending so much time and money. And I was like, man, all right, there has to be something else to do here. So I decided to start like a workshop of the basics of how to create a board business. So I did my first one in October and I think there was like 12 people on it and everyone was really excited. And it was, you know, an hour and a half class where I walked everyone through, you know, first you come up with an Instagram handle and then you create a business email and then you, you know, make yourself searchable on Yelp and, you know, just kind of the basics of starting up. And then we moved into social media marketing and sourcing inventory, sourcing supplies, uh, pricing your product, delivery and logistics. Then we did like a live Q&A at the end. It's all virtual. So people could ask questions and, you know, I'll answer whatever I could. And I, I don't know, I think at the end of that first class, I just saw this like look of relief on some people's faces of like, okay, I've had this idea. I just didn't know where to start. I had no idea like what my next step was. So it was really nice to be able to share some of that information in a very organized format. So I kind of created a curriculum after that first one. And like, I guess I built on the curriculum after the first one. I factored in all of the questions everyone asked, added that in. And then I started doing them once a month. And now we're at the point where February this month has nine classes. And I'm opening up, I think, eight more for March uh, because the industry just keeps growing and growing and growing. Wow. So you're still teaching these live every time? I am doing that right now. We are working on doing some pre-recorded stuff as well to free up a little bit more time, but I am still doing them live at the moment. Okay. Yeah. I was like, well, when is the next pivot is I've got all this experience in doing it live and knowing what questions people ask. And I'll just bundle that into this digital course that doesn't require my hour and a half, nine times a month. But it sounds like you're getting some energy from doing it that way. And people are really finding some benefit from it too. I think so. And it also is a learning curve for me because everyone has different questions every time. So the more of these I can do at the beginning, just to understand where everyone's questions are coming from, I can just, you know, put them all into a recorded class and like a workbook, and that'll be easier for me to get out there. But we've had 198 people through those classes since October. So there's definitely interest in starting a charcuterie board business right now. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And there's, and you know, each one has new questions. It's also been interesting because with that many new people starting, the cost of cheese and meat is going up. The cost of these supplies that we use, that all of us use to transport our products, that's going up. And so it's also interesting talking about like wholesale versus retail and how that makes sense. And that's 
changed since the first class. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's learning for me too. That's funny. It's like there's enough people getting into it to influence the supply and demand curve. Talk to me about kind of the pricing and logistics for the physical board delivery. Is there a margin that you're shooting for on that? Are you able to buy the stuff in bulk? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely buy in bulk now, but at the beginning, it didn't make sense because we're dealing with perishable items, right? So if I don't have the volume, I can't just buy, you know, pounds and pounds and pounds of cheese. They'll just go bad and I'll have to throw it away. So I didn't get into wholesale for a little while. I really don't think we took off in terms of volume until I hired a delivery company. So I don't do the deliveries anymore. But there is a local startup here in Boston that actually the CEO went to the Techstars Accelerator with my husband. So I knew they existed and I knew what they did, but their business model was a little bit different pre-COVID. And then they had to pivot. And when they pivoted, our partnership worked out perfectly. I was like, okay, instead of me using you know some of these larger food delivery companies, what if we partner together, you do all of my food deliveries and you know your refrigerated trucks and we do it that way so I can focus on volume. And also I'm a terrible driver and I have horrifying road rage. So <laughs> this is just better for everyone. And they they were like, yeah, they had already started, you know, formulating their game plan moving forward. And so I started working with them. And that's really when I started growing in volume because I could do so much more not having to get in the car and deliver all of these myself. So when that change happened, that's when I started being able to buy in bulk that I started being able to know, okay, I can now, instead of just saying I can only do 10 or 15 a day, I can actually do upwards of 40 to 50 a day. And at the time I was getting the orders and I was having to turn them down. And then I didn't have to turn them down anymore because I had so much more free time. So you're putting 40, 50 of these things together every day, maybe more during Super Bowl and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. The holidays were, (laughs) the holidays were fun. Valentine's day is going to be fun, but yeah, I mean, now we have expanded into a, a larger commercial kitchen. We were using a really small space at the beginning with just like three prep tables that didn't get us very far. And now we have a full-on shared commercial kitchen that has these like gigantic eight-foot tables that we can put together. So we did 175 of them in five hours a couple of weekends ago. And so we're able to really, I mean, the space is huge, but once everything is prepped, we just assembly style, get it all done. Yeah, it sounds yeah like assembly line type of production. You say we, so there's other people helping you put the products on the board at this point. So Hannah, although she runs the entire virtual part and she does all the virtual classes every night, she also is there to help with large orders like this. Um, I mean, she was a corporate chef before, so there's so much that she brings to the table with like pairings and, you know, what to do with this cheese. And, and that's always so helpful. I also have eight years of experience in hospitality. So I think both of us together are really able to figure out the fastest, most efficient ways to get these large orders done. Yeah. Any surprises along the way? Any unexpected headaches or horror stories um, that have come your way? 
I think at the beginning, I guess I just didn't really realize that there were so many tools that could help me, um, like kitchen tools that could help me. So at the beginning, you know, I was slicing all of this cheese by hand and I was slicing all of the salami by hand. And it was like, I literally felt like I had to wear a cast at one point, like my wrist was actually sore, like it, it was painful. And I think I just didn't, I've never made these things in bulk before, right? Like it's always just been once for friends and family coming over. I just make one board and I I never had to feel what it was like to make so many. And so then I started researching, all right, I guess I need a meat and cheese slicer. I guess I need to, you know, get some wire cutters, things that help me slice all of this stuff a little bit easier. So I think a lot of it was just learning the volume piece of it. It's so much easier when you're just making one or two. Yeah. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. How are you managing the time commitment for this and the day job? All my managers just turned up the volume on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's interesting. I'm not great at it. And I, I don't like to glamorize like the working a million hours and not sleeping thing because it's really not healthy. But I had to set some boundaries after a couple of months. And so now I don't take orders Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I also realized I wasn't really getting that many orders Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I blocked that off uh, completely off my website. And I think I told you at the beginning, I was only doing Friday, Saturday, but now I do Thursday through Sunday. 
And I leave it at that. And then I really try my hardest to block my calendar. So I'm only focusing on one thing at a time. That doesn't always work. There's things that come up, you know, calls that need to happen. But I really try my hardest to make sure that, you know, within these like four hours, I'm only focusing on this. I can take a little break, you know, spend another three hours on Boards by Mo. And and I try really hard to stay organized that way. And then a lot of it is prep too. So if I can prep as much as possible, and by prep, I mean put the boxes together, put my stickers on them, all of this stuff like a few days before the order actually happens, that takes away from the things that I need to do during the week. So I try to get as much done as possible. My husband, I, I think I mentioned, is also an entrepreneur. So we have a lot of uh, a lot of late nights around here, which we are trying to change and get into a little bit of a healthier lifestyle. Well, it's awesome that you guys are able to kind of brainstorm back and forth and, oh, you got to work on your process, you know. If you, <laughs> I, know. I love it. I know. It's a lot of lecturing to me, basically. Because <laughs> he's, I mean, he's been very successful with everything he's created. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do here. So it is, it's really nice having that, having him here to kind of walk me through some of the stuff. Yeah, absolutely. What's next? What are you, what are you excited about this year? It's so hard to say because I have no idea what things are going to look like once we semi start getting back to normal. I'm preparing for a couple of different scenarios, but what I do feel good about is kind of the B2B route we started taking in August, I think is going to really pay off for us. Um, once people do start going back into the office or start building up some of their work community again, because then we're talking trade shows, we're talking conferences, we're talking potential like, you know, just catering style events. We are already getting requests for weddings for 2022 to do grazing tables. So I think the volume and the um, like B2B side of it is going to pay off for us. And I think we've positioned ourselves well. I am curious to see what happens to kind of the one-to-one orders, if people are still just going to be ordering for date night once restaurants open back up and once people are comfortable traveling again. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens there. Again, we're preparing for a couple of different scenarios and, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, my long-term plan here, I would love to, and we've already started working on this on on potentially kind of franchising out and seeing what we can do in different cities. And I think that would be a really cool way to go. And I think there's enough people doing it right now that there could be some interest there. So we'll see. That is an interesting angle to maybe take some of these up and coming accounts, Instagram accounts that are in different areas and like, hey, look, we're, you know, just six or nine months ahead of where you are. But we figured a lot of stuff out in that time. Like, why not just partner with us instead of going at it alone? Exactly. And with that comes, you know, wholesale partnerships. There's a lot that could come with that. So yeah, we've started putting kind of our heads together on how to start building that out and the training that would come with it and and where to take it from there. So we'll see what happens. Well, this is super inspiring from, you know, delivering free snacks and stuff to uh, healthcare workers all the way up to you know, these business-to-business relationships and doing the virtual classes and helping other people get started with this business. Uh, I really appreciate you reaching out and sharing this story it's boardsbymo.com and you can find her at boardsbymo on Instagram as well. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Yeah. Um, I think every time someone asks me my number one tip, I, it changes based on how the company is progressing. But I think the biggest thing I've taken away from all of this is 
If you decide to start something of your own or side hustle, passion project, whatever it is, I think it's really important, and I've referenced this through the entire podcast, but to surround yourself with like-minded people or at least one person who can truly understand what you're going through. Because I think like your friends and family, they're always going to be there. They're going to be your number one supporter. You know, they're going to cheer you on. But I think it's really important to have people who can know what it feels like at three in the morning when you're working on strategy or how to, you know, fix a broken system or, you know, solve a problem. And whether that is through a Facebook community group or just like an entrepreneur group or even just someone you know who started something, I think it's really important to not try to do it alone because it can get a little lonely. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Surround yourself with like-minded people. Very uh, pertinent and helpful advice. Uh, definitely something that I found uh, to be true in my own life and uh, and appreciate you sharing that. Monisha Misra, thanks so much for joining me and we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you so much. I think this is a great illustration of paying attention to what wants to happen, which was the number one tip from Austin L. Church in episode 417. Yes, you're still steering your ship, but if you're like Mo, you're taking stock of all the feedback that you get, all the questions that you get, all the requests that you get, and applying those, incorporating those into your business. And just like Mo, maybe that ends up taking you in a direction you didn't expect. Maybe it opens up new income streams. But paying attention to what wants to happen, an illustration of how opportunities tend to become visible once you're in motion. That was a number one tip from Ryan Finley way back in episode 72. So there's that. And then the other element here is inserting yourself into a trend, uh, but doing it right. And in this case, the combination of charcuterie platters, making them look nice, making them you know creatively arranged and taking pictures of those for Instagram, that being the trend. But I think Mo was very intentional about her branding and her social media presence and her growth strategies in that niche once she decided, hey, this is going to be a thing. If this type of business is interesting to you, I encourage you to check out my chat with Jen Fay in episode 403. She had a similar operation, local cottage food sales, mostly Instagram driven, but instead of meats and cheeses, it was custom decorated sugar cookies. Notes and links for this one are at sidehustlenation.com slash mo, M-O. But before we go, can I send you some more money-making ideas? That's what my weekly newsletter is all about. 75,000 people are already getting it, and I'd love to send it to you as well. You can join for free at sidehustlenation.com slash join or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Big thanks to Mo for sharing her story and thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.